It's good to see God's people today. Um, as we begin, I just wanted to start off by talking about, uh, like, raise your hand if you have Facebook, uh, social media of any kind. Uh, Facebook has uh, this program called Memories. And if you get on, you log on for the day, if you, you get on through your phone, whatever you do, it will show memories from your past. Now, we've been on Facebook since, you know, 2008, and, and it's gotten where I, I feel like an old person because I look at my kids and I feel like that was so long ago. And a, a video came up the other day in our memories of Emma when we were at a, a church in Arkansas, and she's developmentally delayed. She's learning behind everyone else. And the way she originally moved is she didn't crawl. She rolled everywhere. And I was just watching this video of Emma rolling through the church. She would roll and go, eh, and roll and go, eh, and roll and go, eh. It was hilarious. And then she learned to sit up. You know, we went through all this, this therapy, these surgeries, training for Emma, braces, uh, she had to learn to sit up. She had to learn to stand and learn to walk. Even with a walker, we had a walker called Paul Walker. Uh, oh, you know. But uh, just watching that, I was thinking about how we are when we're young. We're learning to walk. There's a lot of development. Um, kids are, are crawl. They're sitting up. They're crawling. They're learning to hold on. They're taking their first step, um, and they're learning their confidence. Emma has confidence now. Uh, she runs the way she runs, and, I, and she's been doing these daring things in the house, like, Dad, watch me do a flip. And I'm like, you know, get away from the fireplace first, you know. Uh, she's holding herself up on things, climbing things. She has confidence now because she's been able to do what she's supposed to be able to do. And it's the same thing for Christians. And here it is. We can have full confidence in God who has called us, who has saved us, and we have grown as Christians. We took our first step as Christians. We, we leapt in faith and followed, and we may have stumbled along the way. We're learning to stand firm in the faith. We're learning to go forward and share the gospel. That is really what we're called to be. Not just, hey, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus, and I am confident in these things that we know as Christians. Now, we're going to get into this a little more in-depthly today, but I want you to know that as Christ followers, we're not called to be afraid of things. We're not called to be, well, I'm just, I don't know that I can talk about this subject. We are called to meet the crisis that is in front of us. We are called to share the gospel with this fallen world. We are called to believe in the Son of God and to live this thing out that we call faith following Jesus with confidence, that there can be a confident Christianity. Uh, with that being said, look with me. We're going to look back over 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1 here. Verses, we're going to look at verses 4 through 6. The entire text we're looking at is 2 through 10. Uh, go back and read that. God will reveal more to you. But I'm, I'm bringing out this portion here for us to focus in on today. Paul is writing to this church in Thessalonica. They call it Thessalonica today. For we know. Now, I love that. I'm taking a class in school called Inductive Bible Study. That means a lot of reading, a lot of writing, a lot of study, and a lot of headaches, basically. 
But studying the Bible, they're teaching us, which I already know, there's exegesis and eisegesis. Eisegesis is where you read into the Scripture what you want it to say. Exegesis is bringing out what the Scripture has to say for us. And I've been studying and studying for years, and even in this class, I was like, it's just profound. Some of the new things God is showing me. And right here at the beginning, I'm just sharing this with you as we're reading through the Scripture. For we know. It's not just an individual. When Paul is writing to this church, this is a group of people, and he represents a group of people, the apostles, believers. For we know, and he would say that in Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for good. We know this. We are confident in these things. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that He has chosen you. By faith and believing in Jesus Christ, you take part in this eternal plan of God that you are chosen before the foundation of the world when you say yes to this plan, that you are chosen of God, you are a child of God. Because our gospel, uh, not someone else's gospel, not opinion, This is the word of God. It is God breathed because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. It was none of this. I don't know about this God thing. I heard someone say that you cannot really. You know what agnosticism means? We call it soft atheism. Atheism, there cannot be a God. Agnosticism. Well, there could be a God. We just can't, A, know Him. We cannot know if there is or not. So from the beginning, they're making a claim of knowledge that you can't know something. Well, Christians, we can know that this is real. We, we know this. We have full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. Uh, let's pray together. And Father in heaven, I thank you for your goodness, and I thank you, Lord, this time of celebration. We thank you that we can celebrate your goodness. We can celebrate your love, your grace, your compassion, your patience, your love that, that drives you to seek us, um, your love and power that enables us to even see and, and know you and believe. And Lord, I pray today, first of all, for those who are seeking you, that they may hear the gospel today, the good news, the angelion. That they may believe and be saved. Lord, that the gospel comes into their life with power. Lord, I pray for those who are seeking and are saying yes, Lord, as they are becoming disciples. Lord, that they receive the implanted word and that they grow in grace and knowledge of you. Lord, I pray for those who have been disciples for years, Lord, that they stand firm in the faith. Uh, Lord, that they are growing in this word and they're teaching your words. And Lord, I pray for those who may have been in the faith for years, whose faith has fizzled, that you rekindle the fire of their faith. Lord, that they receive the word, that they grow in the word, that they teach the word, that they stand firm in this, Lord, that they are revitalized by your truth today, that we may be your disciples who have received the gospel with power by the Holy Spirit, and that we are a people that are confident in this thing you've called us to. 
that we are confident in the message, that we are confident in the ministry, that we are confident in the man Christ Jesus who has died for the sins of the world. Bless your words as they go forward. In Christ's name, amen. Now, church, I was preparing to go out of town a couple weeks ago, and I was catching up on schoolwork. I was studying for a test. I had an assignment due. Um, and this verse came to my mind. It just kind of hit me out of the blue um, that our gospel didn't come in just word, but in power and the Holy Spirit and full conviction. It just arrived in my heart out of nowhere. And I was like, what in the world? I love, I love this verse. I haven't heard it in years and since the last time I read through Thessalonians. And I was like, wow, that's great. I go back and I'm reading through it. And then I realize God wants me to share this text with his people today. There's something here that we need to hear as God's people um, that uh, it's impressed in our heart that we may preach this and live this out. So I went back and I read through it and God revealed to me why. And I want you to hear this today. But first, I want you to know a little bit about Thessalonica. So if you're new to the faith, when we, we, we pass through these books in the Bible, there's Old Testament historical books, there's prophetical books, uh, there's poetical books, they are the Word of God. You come into the New Testament, there's the Gospels, uh, the life of Jesus, the book of Acts that shows how the early church was. And then you had these letters that the apostles are writing and others who are writing to the church. So when it says Romans, it is a letter written by Paul to the church in Rome. Galatians is an area, Galatia was was a region, Ephesus, a city where the gospel had come. There was a church there. We're writing to that church. The same same thing here. Uh, Thessalonians are the people of Thessalonica. Uh, Thessalonica uh, was a Roman colony. Uh, It was pagan. It was heathen. Now today we go into a state and we say, hey, that's a Republican red state. They must be conservative Christians. Uh, I would say that our culture today, you need to hear this, is very heathen and pagan. Uh, They say they're conservative. They say they're Christian. And we're going to get into this more in-depthly. That today we have a group of people that call themselves Christians by name, but they live exactly like the world. But this did not happen here in Thessalonica. Uh, The gospel came to this Roman colony. It was filled with pagans and heathens. They worshipped idols. They sacrificed to these mythological gods. It had around 200,000 people in this city. Uh, And and during this time of Paul, it was a key commercial city for the Roman colonies. I mean, so there was these strategic colonies that they had, Rome had, and then Paul strategically would go to these strategic colonies and share the gospel. That's how the gospel spread so fast in the Roman colonies. Uh, But it was controlled by one of the greatest political and military powers the world has ever known, Rome. But the thing is, things began to change here 2,000 years ago when Paul and, and Silas and his companions came here. Now here it is, for us to live as confident Christians, there are some things that we need to know and how we're to live this thing out. And we're going to discuss that today. We're going to learn about that today from Paul's letter here. And the first thing I want you to see is that the gospel came. He says, came to you in the word. Uh, The words of Christ here, verse 5, because of our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and full conviction. Here it is, not only in word. 
which means it did come by word. The word here is logos. Uh, the word, when we say the word of God, the logos, when it says the words, it is the rhema of God, many words of God. But the word of God arrived here and with power. We will get into that. But we are in the business church of delivering a message to this world, to our city, and it comes with a word. There is a message that's part of this ministry. And I've gotten to a place in my life where it's not just the pastor who is a missionary. It's not just people that go to other countries who are missionaries. Everyone who has named the name of Christ, who is a Christian, is in fact a missionary. And we have a message. We have been commissioned to preach the message that is good news. The good news when it says the gospel, the word, the good news, a gospel is the Greek word, yangelion. It is goodness. It was the good message that Christ has died for the sins of the world. He is forgiving sins and he is changing us and he rose again from the grave. And here it is. It came not only in word, which means it came in word and the word has to get out. We have learned the word, but we have kept it in. It takes the word for people to hear the good news to be saved. And we should be confident in these words. Now, there's a quote I want to share with you today. We share all kinds of quotes. Raise your hand if you've heard the Gandhi quote, I like your Christ, but not your Christians. You may have heard that. Well, maybe no one has heard it. Only me. Great. Good starting point. Um, So if you've been in a college town, you will see bumper stickers uh, coexist. We're supposed to just all get along with people. And and you'll see, you know, resist. uh, But you see a lot of bumper sticker theology and philosophy. And one of those, it will say, I like your Christ and not your Christian, Gandhi. It's attributed to Gandhi. The thing is that Gandhi never said that. Now, it points to something that is interesting for us to think about because we should, if people see us, they should see Christ. But there's a quote that's been going around, and it's shared in a meme. It's a bumper sticker you may have seen, or a quote that has been given from Francis Assisi. Francis Assisi was a a saint by the church, um, the Roman church. He lived in the 11th, uh, 11th, 12th century. And this is a quote that's been attributed to him. I want to share it with you. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. Now, we can appreciate what people are trying to say in this, uh, that we are to live out our Christianity. The problem is, and I want you to hear this today because a lot of quotes get made, and when I became a pastor, I remember hearing sermon illustrations, and I wanted to to share these sermon illustrations, and I started like doing research and looking up sermon illustrations and found out some of these things that were shared were not even true, and I felt bad. I was like, no, I don't want to do that, so I, I try to research some things before we share it. The problem is is that Francis Assisi never said this. And I want you to know, it is not biblical. Now, St. Francis was a big believer in helping the poor, which we all should be, and that our life should match our gospel. But he knew that he had to use words. He was a preacher. He shared the gospel. He taught the gospel. If anything, he would have said, preach the gospel at all times and always use words. And I would add this in here, because it is necessary. The gospel comes into people's life by the word of God, the message of God. Now, what did he say? I have it here. He actually said this. It is no use walking anywhere to preach unless our walking is our preaching. 
Now that makes sense, right? Why am I going to share with you the good news unless I demonstrate the good news in my life? That I have this testimony in my life. Here it is. It is necessary to share the Word of God. What we have done is we've separated helping the poor from the good news. And we say, I can help the poor and never share the gospel, and that's still church ministry. Or I can just share the gospel, and a lot of times people are sharing the good news, but people need the help as well. But they are two aspects of the same thing. The good news is arriving. Uh, the, the good news has to be preached for people to be saved. And my point here, church, is that we've tried to remove these, the message from God's service. The movement of social justice in the church said we're just supposed to give people sandwiches, uh, help them, and they'll eventually believe. And it's one thing I have learned, that does not always lead people to Jesus. It may make them open their heart to realize that there is kindness and goodness, but it doesn't mean they're going to believe in the gospel they have to be told the gospel. And just so you know, I am for helping the poor. But I am for, I was called to preach, to shepherd the flock. That is my calling. And I want you to know this. When Paul went to all these other countries, he never established a soup kitchen. He went there to preach the gospel and establish churches so people could be saved. And then the church can do ministry and help the poor. But it never records. And, you know, Paul went to this town and said, ah, they have some needs. We're going to start a clothing closet and help clothe people and never share the gospel. He never did that. He always preached the gospel. And that will lead to actually helping people and lives transformed. This is what Paul actually said. And this is the importance why we need to remember people need to hear the gospel. Romans 10, 13 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Amen. What a wonderful promise. But guess what? How do you call on the name of the Lord if you haven't heard the name of the Lord? How then will they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how, will they, um, how are they to believe in Him on whom they have never heard? Well, they gave me a sandwich and they helped me out. They just didn't tell me the gospel. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? Who are those that believe? And my favorite verse in the entire Bible. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the words of Christ. It is the word of God that penetrates the heart. It is the good news of Jesus that allows them to know that there's a God who loves them, a God of eternity that was willing to save them, to step out of eternity and go to the cross and die to provide forgiveness and eternal life. Church, our gospel has to be preached with words so people can hear. And when they hear, they can believe. And when they believe, their lives are transformed. They will be saved. They call upon the name of the Lord and they are saved. The second thing I want you to see today, church, is that the gospel came in power. 
It came to them in power, not in word only, but in power. Because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. I love that. We're going to get into that in a minute. I just like, I'll keep saying that. Not partial conviction. Not this wimpy stuff and a little bit of the way, but full conviction. Church, this gospel has, um, that we have believed is preached. And when you preach it, there is power. I never met anyone that said, you know, I never heard any of this Christian stuff, but I believed and was transformed and now I'm living it. They have to hear it. And when they hear it, power comes. The Greek word dunamis, the power of God, a supernatural power comes into their life. It is the power of God that radically changes us. Now we've learned it's not just about believing mentally. Demons believe and tremble. It's about believing not only mentally, but from the heart and having faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit comes into your life. You are born again. You have a new nature. You're made spiritual by the pneuma, the Spirit of God. People turn from a sinful life, a sinful and selfish life. When they hear the good news and the power hits them, they turn to Jesus. People are delivered from addictions when they believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know why I, we haven't seen the same amount of miracles that we read about and hear about in the past? And I want, to, I want you to hear this. Again, paganism. I want the name Christian, but I just live exactly like the world. That is Christian paganism. If you've received the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power comes into your life, you are transformed. You're not living in addiction into the sins anymore like that. At least you don't want to go back there. What we have done, we said, I like this Jesus guy. He's loving. He's kind of kind. I like that. He forgives me of the wrong I do and keep doing. And I don't have to change. That is not the gospel at all. The gospel is this God, this God loves me. I mean, Emma reminds me every time we talk about the love of God, he loved us first. That's why we love him, isn't it? Yes. The divine initiative. And then there is a response that we respond to this and the power of God is moving in our lives. We are transformed. Greed, lust, whatever it may be. We're cleansed of that and we are transformed. I want you to know how powerful this word is. When God called Moses, one, I mean, creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Let there be light. This is the kind of God that speaks things into life. But he calls Moses. God calls Moses. And Moses begins to declare the message of deliverance to, to Egypt. And there's miracles and signs. When we are preaching the true gospel... There is the power of God. There's miracles and signs throughout the time Moses is preaching and God is moving throughout the wilderness. Even though the people were rebellious, when they believed in the Word of God is being preached, there's miracles and signs happening. The same thing with Joshua. Man, how am I going to live up to the expectation of everybody has of, of Moses? And Moses is dead. Joshua takes over, leads the people into the promised land. And as soon as they go into the promised land, they cross the Jordan. The waters part just like what happened with Moses because he is the man of God preaching the word of God and miracles happen when God is moving. God stopped the sun for them to continue in the battle because the word and the message had to go out. New Testament, Jesus comes, the incarnation. He's preaching. 
People are saved. They're hearing the Evangelion, the good news, the gospel. Uh, the dead are raised. The crippled are walking again. The blind see. Good news is preached to the poor. The word of God is going forward. And miracles are happening. The same thing with apostles. They're sent forward to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. The, the message is going out. And miracles are happening because people believed the word of God. And the power was with the word of God. I really believe the reason that we have Christian pagans where they believe and they want to be baptized, but they act just like the world is because they've not necessarily believed it. Where's the power that saves us from our sin? Where is the power that transforms our life? This is the power this community needs, church. The true gospel. This is what we've done. This gospel offends. We need to change it. Seeker-sensitive movement comes into the church. we got to make things comfortable. You know, I've joked about this a lot. This is comfortable. Very comfortable. Cushions. When that works really good. We have cool air. Um, we have comfort, you know. Um, and what we've tried to do is lower the reality of the power of God and, and, and muddy the waters of the gospel message and made it into something else. And when you take the Word of God and change it, it's not the Word of God anymore. The Word of God has power to transform lives. Why are we not seeing transformation the same way? Maybe because the church is not always preaching uh, the Word of God. We can't change it. In fact, God did not give us His Word to change it. He gave us His Word that we might be changed by it. That we are transformed by the good news. This power has come... Demons are cast out. That is radical. When Paul preached in Ephesus, uh, demons are cast out. People turn from idols. They take their witchcraft books. I saw recently a bumper sticker. I've been tracking this because we're seeing an increase in paganism because people are departing from the faith. When you depart from light, darkness comes back. And actually it's worse is what the Bible says. Light comes, demons are being cast out. You reject the light, darkness comes back, and demons come back. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It said, support witches. It's nuts. It is pagan. Um, be, demons are to be cast out. Lies are to go away. We are to be a people of truth. You know, Paul opens his letter to the church in Rome with this declaration. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of... Uh, it is the power of God for salvation. Romans 1.16. He's not ashamed of it. Uh, are you ashamed of this good news? Are you ashamed of this power? Now here's the, what you have to ask yourself. Why am I ashamed? Now when I was not bold in the faith and I didn't understand the truth and I was not on this foundation, I was ashamed. But when I began to receive the Word, and I could build on this foundation. I could answer some question. I was bold in the fact that Jesus had delivered me from sin. And my, my testimony is, is decent. Then you could share the gospel with people. But it is the gospel that is the power of God that gives salvation. And this power is from God. It is supernatural. I mean, this dunamis word that we've used to translate into dynamite... You know, dynamite they can use to blow things up, blow a hole through the mountain, but it cannot transform lives. I was thinking about Sharon Harris as a nuclear power plant in North Carolina. I mean, it provides power for millions. 
But that power is not enough to transform lives. This power that comes from God changes who we are. We turn from sin and we turn to salvation. We are saved. It is applied, he says also here, there's the Holy Spirit. So we, we deal with the word, which is logos, the good news, the gospel, yangelion. Uh, we deal with power, dunamis, and then we deal with Holy Spirit, which is hagios, holy spirit, pneuma. We were just singing that, the breath of God. Is your breath in our life? It is the breath of God. The Holy Spirit, not only in word, not just word, but in power and the Holy Spirit, the message of God arrives in your life. In some areas of Christianity, you know, and I like, um, I love to celebrate God. But there were denominations that focused so much on the Holy Spirit, and I believe we should focus on the Holy Spirit, but so much when it became the main thing and a show, then they overcorrected. And then you can go in some of these services where they're hollering and screaming, and I want you to know the Holy Spirit might not even be there. You cannot manufacture the Holy Spirit showing up. You can run around all you want. You can do flips. You can twirl a towel. Uh, it doesn't mean the Holy Spirit is there. Uh, there's some overcorrections in that, but the Holy Spirit did not come to make people act crazy. He came to transform lives. And that's what the excitement is. I don't have to go and plan this uh, neighborhood community revival and call it all this and everybody pretend that the Holy Spirit is arriving. That if He's arrived in your life and you are saved from your sin, that is power. And the Holy Spirit is moving. And if you're making disciples, that is true revival in the church. We don't have to fake it. You don't have to pretend. Can't you imagine? You know, woo! What are you celebrating? I don't know. Everybody else is yelling. Everybody else is speaking in this tongue. No one understands. There's not even an interpretation, as the Bible says we need to hear. All right, I want to pick on them. But when the Word of God is preached... And the Holy Spirit is present. Lives are radically transformed. I believe this good news. The bad news is I was in sin. The world is in sin. It has fallen. We need God. He sent His Son to die for the sins of the world. And the Holy Spirit transforms our lives. It is only by the power of God and the Holy Spirit that missionaries could even go to new areas and do mighty works. I love, love, love hearing the story of missionaries, which we're going to have a missionary service tomorrow night. Um, pray for our missionaries. Provide for our missionaries. But I remember hearing uh, Hudson Taylor here, a missionary to China, gr groundbreaking missions. Um, before I even quote this, I remember reading this. He's telling his wife. And he goes to this China inlet. Hard work. They're so dependent on God, and missionaries need funds. They were down to 50 cent. And he looked over and he told his wife, he said, you know what? All we have is 50 cent and all the promises of God. Wow. That's trusting in the power of God. So he does ministry in the 1800s. And he talks about the power of God at this time. Like I feel like he's speaking to today. But he's talking about it in the 1800s. Listen to this. We have given too much attention to methods and to machinery and to resources and too little to the source of power, the filling of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit. You know, I am thankful we have a facility. I'm thankful for the resources we have. But sometimes we think we need certain things to win people to Jesus. And we're learning more now what you win people with is what you keep them with. 
And when you start entertaining people, when the entertainment is gone, uh, people depart from that. Now, there, there's some celebration. Me and Jay talk about this philosophy of worship. There's sacred and celebratory, both. We should celebrate Jesus Christ. This is worship. But when you start making it about a particular method always, and methods matter, and certain things without the power of God, it's why a lot of churches, I think, are dead today. Because they made it about a certain thing, and over time it worked for a season, but then we didn't make disciples. What really happened is we made a lot of consumers. They come in and consume in entertainment or whatever makes them feel good on any spectrum, young and old, um, that we've lost the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is the gospel and the power of God and His Holy Spirit that transforms people, that we needed the church. Some of you have heard me say this. I would love, and at times I feel it, that this is a powerhouse of God. I remember being in a church with no resources. Same, same with the swamp cooler there. The air conditioning was struggling, froze up, you know, because it was trying to pump out and war against 100 degrees. Weather froze up. We're burning up. But the power of God was in the service. And this is interesting. We say, you know, the Spirit is the pneuma of God, the breath of God. You cannot see it, but it's moving and powerful. It transforms your life. But I remember being in services where the atmosphere feels thick. That when the Holy Spirit is present, you can feel the Holy Spirit. You can't see the Holy Spirit. It says wind, pneuma. But you feel it. And I've been in services that is so thick that you could almost cut the atmosphere. Because God is present. Because the Word of God is preached, the power of God is moving, the Holy Spirit is present, and people are turning from sin to be saved from Jesus. Lives are transformed. This power, this Holy Spirit, Paul talks about it in Acts, or actually uh, Luke in Acts chapter 1. Disciples are asking Jesus, aren't you going to establish this kingdom? We like this kingdom business. We want you to come in and destroy Rome and take over. Uh, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which are in the hands of the Father, but you are to go and, and preach the gospel. You will receive power. I actually told them to wait. I love that. That we need to wait on the Lord. You need to learn to take time, depend on God and pray and seek Him. And they're waiting. But he says in Acts 1-8, but you will receive power. The same word, dunamis. When the Holy Spirit, Holy Hagias, Spirit, Numa, has come upon you, and you will be, will be, not might be, my witnesses. You know what the Greek word is for witness? They, they created a ministry. I remember it was in high school. They had a ministry called Witness. And teens wanted to be involved. I was like, they're having this witness meeting. I wanted to go. I went to the witness meeting, and there was not a lot of witness. Um, <laughs> But what happened is what witness became is that I'm supposed to share my testimony. It was a good thing. They had good intentions. Um, a good ministry. I don't mean to. Uh, they were sharing their testimony. But one of the things they forgot, you know, in these corrections and overcorrections and corrections is the Greek word for testimony. You will be my witnesses is martyr. Today, if you know what a, a martyr, a saint who is a martyr is, it means they died for their faith. That, yeah, we've made it kind of this, hey, man, I like Jesus. You should like him too. Um, but we are living. We're dying to self. And we're willing to give up our life for Jesus no matter what. That's how you become a witness. 
We've received the power. We preach the power of God. We preach the gospel. The Holy Spirit transforms lives. You will receive power. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, the ends of the earth. That's why the gospel has come to Casper, the ends of the earth. These disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were witnesses and changed the world with the good news of Jesus. They overturned the Roman powers that be. Christians infiltrated the colonies, and the good news was preached. It was people that were even in Caesar's household that were Christians. I mean, people were believing and willing to die for their faith. The disciples are filled, they're preaching, and Paul and Silas' ministry brings them to Thessalonica. And they got into a lot of trouble. You can look at Acts chapter 17. It kind of follows the letters of Paul and his ministries. They coincide. And what it actually says when they arrived there, they were accused of turning the world upside down. Now, I want you to know why they would say this. Because when the power of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ comes and the Holy Spirit is moving, people turn from sin. And sin, I want you to know, is very lucrative. It pads a lot of people's pockets. Pornography, billion dollars industry. All kinds of people are turning and going to pornography to pay the bills today because they can get a ton of money doing it. They disrupted the selling of idols. There's times when people are like, what? I'm trying to sell my idols, and these guys are telling people they don't need idols. Uh, there was riots and things that happened. But they took them and, and accused them of turning the world upside down when they were really turning the world right side up, where people could believe and follow Jesus Christ. Church, this gospel has power. The Holy Spirit is working, and people are saved. They are forever transformed. In Thessalonica, they turned from their evil ways to the living God. And church, there was confidence. The gospel came to you with full confidence, not partial confidence. Verse 5 again, because of our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. And full, it says conviction here. I like that because there should be conviction about what we believe as Christians. But Paul is reminding the Christians in Thessalonica how God worked mightily through his servants. Remember when the gospel came? It came on not only with words of philosophy, but with power. And the Holy Spirit moved and people were transformed. Now, this word, conviction, and the original Greek word is translated, you'll have the King James says assurance, with full assurance. A better translation, I would say, is full confidence. That when this gospel came, we truly believed in Jesus Christ. There's people today that say Paul really didn't believe. You cannot really know. The, the Bible's made up of all kinds of things. It's confusing. They were never preaching and willing to die for confusion. They were fully convicted. They had assurance and, and, and conviction and confidence in this message, this gospel. Uh, full confidence in that. You would not show up in a foreign land into another city that they worshipped idols and share the gospel unless you knew it was going to do something. And it does do something to those who believe they're transformed. And they were confident. That's significant what you see here. People saw their lives and they learned from him. And it says here in verses 5 through 7, You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators. Of us and the Lord, imitators, followers, it's translated followers in some of our other translations. Of us and the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction and in joy, that you're afflicted by your culture, 
but you have joy of the Lord because you've been saved of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Imitators of Christ, an example to the community. And they could say with full conviction that these guys are legitimate. They represent something different. They had the power of God and they could trust their testimony. They weren't preaching on Sunday and then living a different way during the week. The disciples that turned to the gospel turned truly to Jesus and became imitators of Paul, their leader, and Christ. Not like the world. In closing, I'm going to ask Jay to come. They were example, Paul goes on to say, if you read the rest of the text, to all of Macedonia, to the entire region. Their example is known among the believers. And so here it is. Have you received the gospel and with power and by the Holy Spirit? And do you have full confidence in that? Because if you do, your life will be transformed and people will know it. Now, as we prepare to close, I have this verse. I want to share this with you. This is important. This is the game changer. This is causality. The gospel came, something happened. It wasn't just a message and people said, mm-hmm, interesting philosophy. It came with power and lives are transformed. And it actually says this in the text. You turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And the church, as we begin to close, we're going to worship, we're going to pray. And the question as we close today, have you turned? Now, I'm a big believer in teaching repentance. I put out a message this week. Real repentance needs to happen in the church. But if you've received the gospel, I didn't have to preach repentance. I believe in repentance, metanoia, transform life, transform mind. But when you believe in Christ, you turn from. It naturally happens to the living God. So here it is. The altars are open. We're going to come and pray and And maybe some of you need to come and pray about an idol. Maybe there's something in your life that's holding you back from being fully confident as a Christ follower. But the altars will be open, but you can come and pray about anything. Let's come and seek God.